many of you already feel like you've already been in that moment already during worship? Come on, right? Man, can you just give our worship team just a great hand today? Come on, just give them a big hand. I'll tell you what got me. So I was sitting down there and I was worshiping. And uh, when that last song played, um, now I've known him for a long time. Uh, well, I say a long time. It feels like a long time. But uh, Mark Ayers, uh, he's the guy on the lead guitar right here in the middle. And, and um, I know some of the things that he's going through in his family and stuff with his mom. And uh, there was a moment where he just lifted his hands. <laughs> And, and all, I, all I could think about, Mark, was like your mom receiving her healing, man. And, um, and so, like, I just, I just, I saw that in that moment. And I'm telling you, you are a part of an amazing, amazing church. Come on, like you, each and every one of you guys. And here's what I know along the way, sometimes there's some tough stuff, stuff that we don't even understand sometimes. There's reports that we get that we don't know. I mean, like, there's, there's news that happens. There's things that we don't like, but, but in the midst of all of it, man, I'm telling you, God is doing something. And if you'll just stay the course, if you'll stay the course, if you'll stay the course, if you'll just stay focused on him, Stop getting so consumed in all these other petty, stupid things. Because that's really what they are. They're just petty, stupid things. And the enemy would love to get you distracted. He'd love for the topic of conversation not to be what God's doing in the altars, not what God's doing during worship, not what he's doing when people are being baptized, not what he's doing in people's lives through the messages. He'd love for you to get focused on things like, oh, the volume. He'd love for you to get focused on things like, well, you don't like the lighting, or you don't like this, or you don't like that the kiosk was moved, or you don't like, he'd love for you to get focused on all those things, because that's how the enemy wins. He gets you distracted on the calling that God has on our lives and what he has in this church. And you know what's happening is, is there's a weeding out that still continues to happen. I'm talking with pastors around the country, and one of the things that, that we're seeing across the country and the church as a whole is there's a weeding out that's taking place. People are being called to a higher standard. People are being called to stand for what they believe in. People are being called to be followers, just not just fans. And I hope today that in this message that today something will spark inside of your heart that will change and flip a, flip a switch in your life. That today you'll literally be like, man, today God is doing something in my life that I, that I never imagined possible. A good friend of mine, Dennis Ackley, uh, is in the hospital right now. He's uh, in surgery right now. And uh, Judy, his mom, who many of you guys know, um, sent me a text and said, hey, will you pray? He's in surgery right now. And I said, for sure, I'll pray. But I want us just to pray right now and to believe that God will be with him. He has a bone infection in his leg. And uh, sounds pretty serious with some of it. He's encountered a lot of other things uh, in his life. But we just are going to believe for God to do a miracle in Dennis's life. So would you pray with me? Father, right now I pray for Dennis. And I pray, Lord, that even now in that hospital, God, in that surgery room, that your presence would invade that room. And God, that you would heal his body. God, we thank you for surgeons. We thank you for their, their wisdom. We thank you for all that. We know it comes from you. But ultimately, God, Dennis needs a touch. He needs a physical touch in his body. 
And so God, I pray for this infection that's in the bone. I speak to it and command it in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ to be thou removed from his body. And I pray, God, that you will heal him right now. God, I pray that even now as the, the doctors are in there, the surgeons are in there, God, I pray, God, that, that they would discover not the issues that they thought were there. And I pray, God, that your touch would be upon him and you would bring healing to his body. Be with his family right now. Be with Dennis, God. Strengthen him. Encourage him, God. Let him know that he is not in this thing alone. God, may he feel the prayers of an entire church family praying and believing for his complete healing. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I love is I love music. I am someone who has always loved music. Since I was a young boy, I've loved music. How many of you love music out there? Come on. There is something to be said of music. It's one of the things I love about our worship here is I really feel like, like we're coming into these moments of worship where we're just able to get lost in God's presence and just let go of things that have been hanging on to us throughout the week. And, and there will be times in my home, and I know I say this all the time, where I'll just throw worship music on and it just changes the atmosphere. I hope that when I continuously say that, some of you will actually do it. You may say, why does he always repeat that? It's because I'm hoping you'll actually do it. <laughs> I'm hoping that you'll actually do that very thing because it will change the atmosphere in your home. It will change it. I'm telling you, it will change your marriage. It will change your children. It will change the atmosphere. I, can, I sense the difference when I put that worship music on. I, I have a system called Sonos, so it allows me to control it from my phone, and I have speakers throughout the house. Yes, I love music. And I literally will play worship music in the basement where my boys are and crank it up and they'll go over sometimes and go and turn it off, and I'll go over and turn it back on on my thing, and we kind of have this war back and forth. And Josiah, he loves, he loves like hip-hop music. He loves stuff that has a beat in it. And I remember those days, and I'm telling you, I know I'm only 40, but man, there are sometimes I'm like, just turn it off! Because I can't handle it. It's like, ah! Because it's just this driving thing in there and everything. But it's all right because, you know, a lot of the worship music that he's listening to is, is actually hip-hop music. It's Christian artists that are sitting there and they're, and they're talking about Jesus and they're declaring who Jesus is. But if you've loved music, some of you could remember maybe the 78, the records. Some of you remember the vinyl LPs. Some of you remember the RCA tape cartridge. Now, that was before cassettes. It was an RCA tape cartridge. Some of you would remember this, the 8-track. Come on now. Now what I didn't know until I was doing a little bit of research is the 8-track um, was kind of hitting really big at the same time that the cassettes were. Now I remember as a young boy making some mixtapes. Anyone in the house, come on, make some mixtapes out there. I would put them in there and could, you know, would be putting different songs. I know Brian Penny did up there, up in the booth, because that boy up on the soundboard, he still is, he's still mixing stuff. Then from there, laser disc kind of hit for just a moment. My dad actually had a laser disc player. Do you, guys, do you guys know what a laser disc player? It was these huge compact discs that came in this, I mean, I'm not joking, like this wide, this sleeve, and you'd put it into it because it, it, would, it would protect the laser disc. So you'd put it into this machine, and then it would pull the laser disc, and then it would push the sleeve back out, and that's how it protected the laser disc. And my dad had different things, like he had Odyssey, like the Space Odyssey or whatever on there. And then he had a few other, there was some music, and he had DVDs, or not, I guess they weren't DVDs, sorry. Movies <laughs> is what they were on there. And then we had the compact discs that came out, and now we have digital. And I think about music, and I think about just the, 
the years that have gone by that music has traveled through all these different veins and and we live in a culture right now where music is so readily available you literally can get onto youtube you can literally get onto to uh, different social media sites and you can type in the name of a song or even the lyrics from a song and it will pull up that song and you can listen to it long gone are the days where you had to wait for the cd to drop Anyone remember the old music club, Columbia House? Come on, how many of you were members? Raise your hand, come on. All right, yeah. Some of you are like, no, I was not a Columbia House member. Maybe you were the, uh, what is it, the BMG club, right? You got anyone else, BMG members? Now here's the thing with those clubs, is that in order to be a member, they would always get you with this idea in the beginning. It was like either like, you know, uh, no commitment to ever buy, you can get eight free just by joining, it was like 12 CDs. When I was growing up, it was like 12 CDs for, the, for the, uh, the price of a penny. Remember that? And what they never told you was all the fine print along it. Because what would happen is, is every month they would send you the next CD, and, then, and, and if you didn't tell them beforehand, you were on the hook for that CD. You had to send it back to them, pay the shipping and handling, all that stuff, and it would cost you a bunch of it. But as a kid, I did it one time. I I, uh, was a member, Um, back then they used to have like this Christian music one where you could look through Christian music and so I got all these CDs and uh, I remember having all of those. It was a big deal. But here's the thing about that is that I also remember that from that point on I never bought a CD. I was not a good member. I always would make sure that I, I sent that back. In fact, I sent it back, and then eventually I sent them a, like a, a letter back saying, I want out of the club. I had learned how to do that, so I said, I want out of the club. I don't want any of your stuff. And eventually they stopped sending me those things, and I got out of the club. And literally, I was a member of the club and never paid for anything outside of the one penny that I had paid originally. Now I can tell you this. I was not a good member. I wasn't someone that they were hoping, man, we hope there's more Brian's out there that will just take 12 CDs for the price of a penny and then never buy anything. But the reality of it is, is there's a lot of us who are a lot like that with the church. Our name's on the roll, but we've never given. Our name's on the roll but we've never served. Our name's on the roll, but we've never taken the next step. We're a member, partner. We're a part of what's going on here. When people say, hey, where's your home church? You say, oh, I go to Bethany. But you've never invested outside of the initial moment, the feel good everything. In fact, here's what I think is crazy is some of the most vocal people about what's happening in the church are many times the ones who never give and who don't ever serve. I'll be honest with you, when someone who gives and they serve and they're all in, comes to me with a complaint or a need or something they're seeing, a concern, do you know what I do? I listen a whole lot more. And you may say, you're showing favoritism. No, I'm not. I'm just listening to people who actually know what's going on (laughs) because they're involved, they're a part. I know we all just felt really good in these few moments, but, but for just a second, you're not going to feel all that good, some of you. Because <laughs> here's what I know is that truth be told, 
Many of us are part of the club, but have never really gone all in. We're fans, not followers. See, for some of us, this is what it's like. I needed my get out of jail free card. You may say, what do you mean get out of jail free? Okay, let me put the right word in there. My get out of hell free card. Because here's the thing, it's free, it don't cost you nothing. I mean, all you got to do is give your life to Jesus, surrender to him, he paid the price for you. Like, there's no cost to you. Listen, it is a, it is a 12 CDs for the price of one. <laughs> you can give your life to Jesus and he will. Man, you get free entrance into heaven, you get to spend eternity with him, that's fantastic. But can I just tell you, you are missing out on what God has for you. Because there is so much more. And it's way better than Columbia Music House. It is way, way better. But see, what happens is, is we, we get scared to partner with things that are around us because we think that we're somehow we're going to get all burned out. You know, one of the things that our staff is constantly talking about, I don't want to see our volunteers get burned out. But there are some times where I just want to be like, <laughs> and be like, Stop. Because we make decisions for people all the time that they're not wanting to make. We're saying, well, I don't want them to burn out because we've seen a few people who have burned out. But can I just tell you, when you're sold out for Jesus, you don't burn out. Because eventually the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says to you in your heart, hey, well, you need to back off a little bit. You need to back off a little bit. And then that person who's walking in the spirit then begins to do that. See, if we would grow in our relationship with God, there'd never be burnout. Because the Holy Spirit would be speaking to our hearts and would be saying, listen, you need to pause, you need to wait, you need to back off. There are times where Kasha and I, we have to recognize that voice speaking to us and say, hey, you need a little break. This week, Kasha and I are gonna take vacation. We need a little bit of that. And we're excited. We were going to go to West Virginia, but now it's going to be raining there all week. So we canceled that. Now we're staying in Michigan. Because <laughs> it's not supposed to rain here as much. So we're going to go up and we're going to be on Torch Lake. And I'm going to put a ton of pictures on Instagram and you're going to be jealous. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't be jealous. Be thankful that your pastor is taking a break and he's actually getting out and getting some time. Followers would be like, man, my pastor needs a break. Fans would be like, I can't believe he's taking a vacation. <laughs> Am I not right? right? Followers are like, dude, my pastor needs it. Because why? Because the followers in the trenches and they see what's happening. They know the weight. They understand what's going on. And a follower comes in and says, man, they need a break. They shouldn't just take one week. They should take two weeks. And guess what? Later in the year, I'm going to take two weeks. <laughs> But followers would be like, yes, we celebrate with that. Fans would be like, I can't believe that. You're going to see pictures from Torch Lake. It's going to look like I'm in the Caribbean. I'm not. I'm in Michigan. You're not going to see me with my shirt off because, ugh. <laughs> but that's all right. So here's the question. Are you a fan or are you a follower? It's real simple. It's a simple question that when answered actually causes us to pause and wait and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Am I a fan or am I a follower? Fan, by definition, an enthusiastic admirer. 
An enthusiastic admirer. Man, there's a lot of us. Man, we are, we are so enthusiastic. We, we, people talk about it. Like, oh, man, Bethany, I heard stuff, good stuff's happening over there. Like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. But listen, can I just encourage you, get on the field. Get in the game. The reason is, and you'll see this here in a moment, is because we need you. We need you. There is a group of followers who are serving week in and week out. But they need other people. From our tech needs to worship, to kids' ministry, to guest services. I mean, like, you, you name it, there are needs across our church body. We need people because here's the thing. Some of us are filling in spots that we shouldn't be filling in because you're better designed to do that than we are. So what do we do? Well, here, here's the thought today. One simple thought. Stop renting and be an owner. Stop renting and be an owner. Stop renting and be an owner. Now, now before some of you who are like, dude, I rent, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about your home. And, and can I just say this, just to level the playing field, it's okay if you rent right now, okay? Please don't walk away and be like, oh my goodness, he made me feel so bad, I rent. I'm in an apartment. Doesn't he know where I'm at? I, I, listen, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in regards to the church, okay? I don't want anyone leaving here thinking that I'm bashing people who rent. So please, please, don't be offended. Don't think that I'm dissing you because you're renting, okay? I'm using the owner-renter metaphor here to make a point. Because here's what I've seen. Growing up in the church, I've seen and heard a ton of church members who rarely, rarely serve, rarely give, sometimes go, to church who think that they're owners. People whose names are on a roll somewhere, but that's as close as they get to church. People who are members or partners, as we call them here at Bethany, by name only. They're partners, but they're not owners. See, an owner thinks differently. An owner processes through things differently. Am I prayer for you today and my challenge is that by the end of this message that you'll be like man I want to be an owner I want to be an owner I want to be an owner and here's what I'll tell you one of the first things that happens when you're an owner is you get to speak into the vision of where we're going you may say no 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 that's not how it is in the past that's not how it was I don't care about the past stop living there we're not living in the past anymore we're living in the future where God's taking us and I'm telling you, where God's taking us is good. There are lots of things around here that we need owners to be a part of. Jesus clarifies this idea of being an owner and a follower. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it's been our verse throughout this. It says, anyone who wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. And then it says this, take up his cross daily and follow me. Today I want to focus in on that word, take up. I guess that's two words. I want to focus in on those two words, take up. Here's the thing you got to understand. It is a responsibility of yours to take it up. God does not take it up for you. He's asking you to take it up. His grace is the fact that he loves you unconditionally right where you are in your brokenness and messed upness. Praise God. But you have to take up responsibility. 
You have to take up responsibility in your personal life, in your church life, and in your community life. God is calling you and I to take up the responsibility. See, some of us bought into this lie that once you give your life to Jesus, that's it. It's good. Nothing more needed. I'm not talking about earning your salvation anymore. I'm talking about taking up your cross. You don't earn your salvation. That's freely given to you. But once you have an encounter with Jesus, then you have to then take up your cross daily to follow after him. And if you don't, then what happens is, is good intentions turn into fan intentions. See, some of us who are sitting here today who are fans, we didn't start off that way. In fact, some of us were really excited because when our life was changed, it was changed in such a way that we started telling everybody about it. We were serving, we were in, but somewhere along the line, we moved from the field to the bleachers. Some of us moved from the field to the bleachers because we thought we were too old. And can I just tell you, you're not. That's a lie of the enemy that says you're too old to make a difference. Baloney. It's baloney. It's hogwash. I'm trying to think of words Pastor Ron would use. Garbage. Garbage. It's stinky. We have a responsibility to take it up. We've been asked to go all in, to play a role, to recognize that there's a mission that we're all called to go after. Stop renting and be an owner. See, when we look in the scriptures, what we see is we see this picture of the church. And as this picture of the church is unfolding, we see it being uh, unfolded in two different metaphors. One is, is the body, this idea of the body, and another is this idea of family. I want to focus in, first of all, on the church as a body for a moment. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 5 says this, For as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. It's this picture that you and I need to understand that we're all in this thing together. Before High School Musical ever sang the song, we're all in this together. <laughs> See, some of the young people understood that. The old people were like, what? That was a song for my daughter, man. She loved it, High School Musical. Way before that, way before any other song that declared, we are the world, we are the children, we are the ones to make a brighter day. Is that a little better? Some of you guys remember that at least? Man, how far back do I got to drop? I can't remember anything more. <laughs> See, each of us are members, a part of the body of Christ. Some of you are an ear. Some of you are the eye. Some of you are the hand, the foot. Some of you are the kidney. Some of you are the spleen, and you're wondering, what the heck do I do? <laughs> Some of you are the muscle. Some of you are the bone, the skin cell, the blood cell. 
You're looking at your life and you're saying, do I make a difference? And can I just tell you, each and every one of them are needed. Each part has a different function. Each does something unique. Each one makes its own contribution to the whole. And as a body, the whole does not work without each and every one of the members doing their part. So stop being a fan and start being a follower. Stop sitting in the bleachers cheering and get on the field and play. Ephesians 4.16 says this, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, then each part is working properly. When each part is working properly, it makes the body what? Grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, when each part is working properly, that's when the body grows. When one part isn't working properly, the body doesn't grow the way it's supposed to. You can look at many of the things that people are facing in their bodies physically. It's because a part of the body stopped growing, stopped working the way it was supposed to. And then what happened is, is when that part of the body stopped working, other parts of the body are then tasked. Can I just tell you right now, our church is a little tasked. There's some people who are feeling it right now because some of us are sitting in there as fans, not as followers. And if you would get on the field, what would happen is the body could work together in the way it was originally created to. Listen, you are not here by happenstance. You're not even here because you picked it. Oh, I picked Bethany. That's why I'm here. No, I think God knew what you were going to pick beforehand. He's like, hey, this is a good place for you to plant. Just like it's a good place if someone plants down at Ogden. That's a good church. God's going to do great things there. We each get to be a part of, our, of, of the body of Christ. And, and here, locally, here at Bethany, we're a part of what God's doing here. But you have to remember that you have something to contribute. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, you've got something. And then say it this way. Say, that we need. See, because God has uniquely gifted you and me to be a part, to serve, to do our part. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says this, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Think about digestion for just a moment. When you eat food, what happens is, is that food comes in through your mouth, goes through your esophagus, goes into the sphincter, which is this little round-like muscle that actually controls letting things into the stomach, right? Did you know that? Some of you did. From there, it goes into the stomach. Then it goes into small intestines. Small intestines is really important. That's where all of the nutrients are being pulled out. Then it goes into the large intestines. But here's the question I got. What if the large intestines all of a sudden said, I'm tired of being the butt of all the jokes? Okay. You guys are good. And said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to do my part. I'm not going to do that. You know what happened? All the stuff the large intestines is trying to get rid of, eventually, if you don't know, the large intestines leads to a different spot. Everyone laughs, so I think you do. I won't go into more detail. But what would happen is, is if the large intestines said, I'm done, eventually the body would build up, and you would go septic. You would get sick. Eventually, you would die. Do you know what happens in the church when people 
stay fans and not become followers, the church begins to die. And you know what? You can look across our culture and across the church culture in America, and you can see a lot of churches filled with fans. They think that somehow they pay the pastor to do all the work, and, but then as the church begins to shrink and shrink and shrink because one man can't do everything, they start dictating what that one man does, and he's supposed to do this and this and that. My dad pastored for years and left the ministry because of a church that was filled with a bunch of fans. Called my dad and then said, we want you to step down. And you know what the reasons they gave? They're stupid reasons. You didn't have the sanctuary doors open on Sunday mornings 20 minutes prior to the service time. Like it was my dad's responsibility. And you know what? He should be glad that he didn't give me an opportunity and I'm not as old as I am now because I would have some conversation with some of those people right now. Because immediately when I heard that, that was just one of them. One of them was they ate in the sanctuary. You know what they did? They had a missions convention. Because the church had not had a missions convention and any focus on missions in like 20 years. So my parents brought missionaries in and had them come up and share their heart and they brought food in for the people and it happened to be in the sanctuary and people were like, how dare you do that in the house of God? How dare those jokers even say that? Oh, but that's fans. They think this is created for them. You think it's about your comfort. Grow up. You can tell it's a little touchy. Sorry. <laughs> here's what I know. We need each other. First is church as a body. Second is this. Church as a family. Church as a family. See, we sing these songs. We love songs where we come together and we can sing. And we sing songs like, we are family. Got all my sisters and me. Woo! I mean, like, come on. Like, I said I love music. We're family. There's something to be said in the family. Last night I was at a wedding, had the privilege of doing a wedding for uh, Shay and Eric. Cool. What a, what a cool last name, right? His last name is actually Cool. So... I always joke around with Shay, and Shay a lot of times is up, and she's, she uh, helps run lights and stuff up there. And, and uh, Shay, I was like, Shay, you're going to have, like, the best last name. Your last name's going to be cool now. You'll be Shay Cool. <laughs> I said, you could be like Shay Cool or Stay Cool. But I was sitting there last night at this wedding and watching family all gather around, and and you know what I know about family is? Is sometimes family is a little weird. Now you may say, Pastor Brian, that's not nice to say. I'm just saying, some families are weird. My family's weird. When my family gets together, like my, my mom's sister, she has six sisters. She's a part of seven. My poor grandfather when he was alive, man, all girls. And those seven girls, when they get together, whoo! Man, it is like, if you can get a word in, and I remember times where, like, my Aunt Sharon smack. I mean, like, like, stop trying to interject, you know, like all these moments. I love my family, but I'll tell you, you would think they're a little weird. Can I just say, there's some weird people at Bethany. And if you don't think there's weird people here, you're probably one of the weirdos. 
But guess what? We're family, right? We're family. So it's okay. Some of you do weird things. It's okay. You're family. But see, what the enemy says is he tries to get you to think that because you're a little different than other people, you don't have a spot. But can I just say you have a spot? You have a place. Sunny is weird. <laughs> she, she is weird at times, I'm telling you, but I love Sunny. Sunny's back there on camera. She's running two cameras right now. Why, why is someone not got up out of their seat and gone and stepped back on that camera back there? Are you not an owner? I mean, straight up, serious. We got two cameras there. Someone didn't show up. Someone couldn't have some, some, some reason why. Sonny's back there running two cameras right now. I'll take that weirdness all day long. I'm sorry, Sonny, that I said you're weird. But you know it. <laughs> she embraces it. See? She owns it. <laughs> See, that's what family does. I'm talking. Dad is talking right now. Not. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6. Verse 10 says this, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. 1 Thessalonians 4.10, and in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do even more and more. 1 Peter 2.17, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and honor the emperor. Here's what I know about family. Family is organic. It's relational. It's a place where you can belong and be a part of it even if you're weird. You're a part of something that God is doing here and we need each and every one of us. You're loved for and you're cared for. Here's what I know though. There's a difference between owners and renters. Here's how I know that. Anyone ever rented a car before? I don't know about you, but when I rent a car, let's just say, I probably should ask for forgiveness afterwards. <laughs> so one time, Kasha and I, we rented a convertible, not on purpose. They upgraded us to it. It wasn't just a convertible. It was a Chevy Camaro. <laughs> that thing had power. Put the top down, Kasha and I in Florida. It was like a dream come true. We're driving that thing, or I'm driving that thing, and every I mean, literally, I'm at the stoplight. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, oh, once that thing turns green, it's on. We are going to get to the speed limit the fastest that we possibly can. Green. Bring! 60 miles an hour. Woo! Okay, all right, here we go. Back off. Because I would never speed. Just got up to the speed limit. But here's the thing, though. I treated that car differently because I rented it. If that was my own car, I might take it fast a little bit, but I wouldn't ride it like that. Because why? Because I own it. Because the repairs, I'm going to be responsible for them. See, there's a difference between a renter and an owner. Here's a question just to throw in there. Who owns you? 
Who owns you? And be like, my husband owns me. No, 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 who, who owns you? Because if you think your husband owns you, then you'll always be trying to make your husband happy before you'll ever try to make God happy. If you'll recognize who owns you, what'll happen is, is you'll begin to put that person first. See, Jesus is the owner. Apart from him, the family doesn't even exist. He's the head. He's the part of the family that we need. Let me share with you four traits of an owner. First trait is this, is owners invest. Owners invest. They're all in. Think about it. When you own a home, you, you normally put some, some type of a down payment in. You're invested into the home. You look at things differently. Some, your wife says, hey, you know, we should redo the, the, uh, the bathroom. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That'd be an investment into our home. But when you rent a place, you're not sitting there thinking, when your wife comes to you and says, we really, need to, we really need to change the bathroom up. If you rent the place, you're thinking, yeah, let's call the landlord and have him fix it up. And then if the landlord doesn't want to do it, you just look at your wife and you say, hey, one day we'll move. Because why? You're not going to invest into it. Because you don't what? You don't own it. You, you would never invest in it because you're like, I don't own it. Why, why would I put that money into it? Talk with church planners. They'll look at moving into a strip center, and they'll, they'll look at a, a space, but they have to invest a ton of money on the front end to build that space out and do all this stuff. But you know what a lot of times happens is they look at it and they go, I don't know if that's the best decision because we don't own that property. Owners invest. You know what? As owners, there's going to be some things we're going to have to invest in. Our roof is leaking. We have AC units going down. There are things that we're going to have to invest in as owners. Now, right, wrong, and different, whatever, we're going to set our finances up in the future where these type of things don't happen. We're going to actually put money aside so that we can actually prepare for things so it doesn't hit us like this. You know, a roof on this place is probably going to cost $100,000. We got AC units that are going down. We got boilers downstairs that are as old as the building and they're supposed to last 25 years. The building's over 40. Yes, God has been gracious to us. But eventually, as owners, you gotta invest. You gotta eventually invest. The beautiful thing is, is if everyone, if, if, it's almost like God knew what he was talking about here. <laughs> when he talked about the tithe. Do you know that if everyone at Bethany tithed, just 10%, just 10%, if you just gave 10%, we could fix the roof, we could do the air conditioning, we could do all the things that we would need to do. You know why? Because we would have the resources to be able to do that. But 20% of the people in the church carry the rest of the church. Owners invest. They not only invest in their money, they also invest in their time. Now, some of us have bought into this idea that we, we think that if I invest my time that I don't have to invest my money. Can I just tell you, that's not what the scriptures say. Don't be mad at me. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's talking about the local church, the place you're being fed. See, owners invest. Owners invest because they realize that it's something they're a part of. Here's the second thing. Owners take responsibility. They take responsibility. Owners fix things. See, when, when there's a problem in the house, you fix it. Or you pay someone to fix it. 
but you, you, you take responsibility for it. Here, here's the, here's the, when, it's, when you're the owner, it's your problem. When, when, when something goes wrong in my house, I don't go over to my neighbor knock on his door. Hey! The AC's out of my house. What are you going to do to fix it? Dude, it's hot out. It's 88 degrees in my house. What are you going to do to fix the air conditioner at my house? Do you know what an owner does? Yo, dad. <laughs> I happen to be blessed that my parents were at my house trying to sleep with the AC broken. My dad goes out there and looks at things like, mm, duh. yep, compressor, or not your compressor, your, your motor's out for your fan. He's like, here's what you're going to need to do. This, 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 and this. Takes me out there, shows me, says, okay, this wire goes here, this wire goes here, got this, got, you got all that, Brian? Yeah. Next time, Dad, take a picture of all that before you undo it all. <laughs> oh, that would have been a good idea. I know, I know. That's how us younger people think. <laughs> showed me all the things. I went out, got the parts. I never called no one else, because why? I'm an owner. I fix it. Fix it myself. I feel, I, I feel sad for Chad. You know, we hired Chad, and he's, he was up here this last week. You got to meet him. And, um, but here's the thing. Every time Chad's coming with all these problems that are going on in the church, I'm like, all right, Chad, so what can we do to fix it? I'm like, I'll get up there on the roof with you. I was asking about the AC. That's how I said, hey, what is, is it? Is it the compressor? Is it the motor? What, what is it? Because whatever it is, maybe we can do it. You know why I think that way? Because I'm an owner. Now, I've only been here two and a half years, and I'm an owner. Some of you have been here a lot longer than two and a half years. Are you an owner? When you see a piece of trash on the ground, you go, oh, man, what, what are people doing putting trash on there? Pick it up, throw in the trash, or do you go, I cannot believe this. People leaving trash in the house of God. I bet you it was those youth. It probably was. <laughs> It was probably those youth, they, they, they trashed the house of God all the time. Can't believe that. Just pick it up. Some of you are like, I can't pick it up, Pastor Brian. All right, then look at one of those youth and say, hey, young person, come here. I can't bend over. Can you pick up this piece of trash, please? Oh, yeah, no problem. Pick it up. They're never going to learn that unless you teach them. Owners take responsibility. They take responsibility. Here's the third thing. Owners stay the course. Owners stay the course. Here's what I know about an owner. An owner plans to stay a while. No one buys a house and thinks, oh, tomorrow I'm going to move. You don't buy it then. You're not an owner. You're a renter. When Kasha and I first moved into Adrian, we... We thought about renting, not because we were planning on going anywhere, but just because we didn't really know the area and everything. But then we started looking at things and said, no, we don't need to rent. Let's own. Let's go all in. I'll be honest, when Pastor Casey bought a house, I was excited. You know why I was excited? Because Pastor Casey would have something that would hold him here. Because he's got a little bit of the wanderlust in him. He... 
He likes to look at things and travel and go to these different places. But that's why the Lord gives him words like for the year, like stay. <laughs> stay, Casey. That's your word for the year. Buy a house, Casey. Now, I was telling Casey that here a while back. Casey's like, oh, I could just rent it. See? Stay. Because why? Because owners, owners stay the course. Renting can be from month to month, but owners think in terms of years. Owners put down roots. Owners are people who think in their mind, no, this is something I need to be a part of. Owners plan on being there until God says otherwise. I'll be honest with you, Costa and I plan on retiring here in Adrian. So you know what that means? I got to help make this place, this community be a place I want to stay. But I'm an owner. I take responsibility in that. When I see young people put on their Facebook, man, I can't wait to get out of Adrian, that breaks my heart. Why? Because I'm an owner. I'm going to believe that Adrian will be a place that our young people who are coming into our colleges, man, we got college students who are coming here, but they're not looking at Adrian and thinking, man, that's a place I want to stay. Why? Because you don't even think it's a place you want to stay. Start being an owner. Take ownership in this community. Be a part of things. Owners stay the course. Here's the next thing owners do. Owners celebrate success. See, they celebrate when the family is doing well. Owners look at that and they go, oh, man, that's great. I'm glad this is happening. When you see someone drive in in a new car, you should be like, man, I'm so glad God blessed them. When you see someone with a new pair of kicks up on stage, you can look at those and you can be like, man, those are nice. I'm like, I know. Supposedly, they're hundreds of dollars. I didn't pay hundreds of dollars. You should look at me and be like, I'm so glad Pastor Brian was blessed. Someone blessed me with these shoes. They said, Pastor Brian, you've got to stop wearing those jankety shoes. You need to get some fresh kicks, and you need to have them up there. So I'm like, man, I need to be able to wear them. So I was like, I can wear a T-shirt if I wear them. But then some people won't like it because it's not, well, anyways, you know. <laughs> See, owners celebrate success. They celebrate when growth happens, when addition happens. Instead of getting upset that someone took your parking spot or your seat at church, you should celebrate it. You should come in on Sunday and be like, I hope there's not a place for me to sit. <laughs> Why? Because owners celebrate success. Owners celebrate growth. Owners would celebrate that God's doing something here. What's going to happen when we have to add a third gathering? What's going to have to happen when we add a fourth gathering? Some of you are like, oh my goodness, no. No. Why? I know churches right now that have four to five gatherings on a Sunday. That doesn't count what they're doing on Saturdays. And you may go, well, that's good for them, not for us. There's owners there who have said, I want to be a part of what God's doing. And so they're a part of it. They get all in. And what's happening is the church continues to grow because people are saying, I'm an owner, I'm not a renter. They're a follower, not a fan. See, here's what I know. What you celebrate gets repeated. What you celebrate gets repeated. So what are you celebrating? What if you were an owner at Bethany? What if this was your church? 
What if this belonged to you? That's what we're shooting for. It's for you to become an owner here at Bethany. To say, this is my church. This is where I belong. I'm an owner. So here's the thing. If there's a problem in our church, whose problem is it? It's our problem. Not even just yours individually. It's our problem. If there's a need in the church, whose need is it? Our need. If there's an opportunity in the church, whose opportunity is it? If there's a ministry in the church, whose ministry is it? If, if there's a mission that we're trying to accomplish, whose mission is it? It's ours. Because we're all in this thing together. This is our church. We're owners. I've heard things like this. Bethany's too big. It's too big to really feel like a family. Nah, it's not true. No matter how big your body is, it's just our things working together. Simple steps to being an owner, and I know you got these in your notes, so you get be ready. Here we go. Simple steps to being an owner. First is meet with others in group. Second is seek God daily through soaping. Next is this, serve. Serve others in our church and in our community. The next is this, park far, sit near. Park far, sit near. You look out on Sunday morning, when we first get here, you'll see all the staff and all of our key leaders who come in for worship team, we all park at the far side. Now guess what, we get here before you. That means we have better opportunity to take better parking spots than you do. And we could take those and be like, <laughs> should have got here earlier. Or we could be owners and say, no, no, we want the best parking spots safe for other people. Now, I know some of you need to park close because physically, but most of us in the room don't have to. You know what I would love? I would love to come to in on a Sunday morning and see every back row and every part all over, just all that filled up and all these prime parking spaces right up front open and a visitor comes into the church, drives in for the first time and instead of having to park back in Timbuktu, can pull right inside and has a spot right up front and they go, wow, they saved a spot for me? And then that you would sit near, not so you can get my spit on you, but so that the seats that are really uncomfortable, because if you're a first-time guest, and the only seats are up here by me and Kasha or other people up front, and you have to walk in all the way up front, that's a little awkward. And you're like, I'll just go up on the balcony. Park far, sit near. Here, here's the next one. Give, give. Give to God's work here at Bethany. Tithe, offering, be a part. Be a part. Give. Be a friend. Here's the next one. Be a friend. Talk to others around you. Hang out afterwards. This place clears out like someone just said there's a sale down at the street. It's like, out of the air, boom, everyone's gone. It's like, where did they all go? There was like 500 people here before. Where did they all go? I know you're trying to beat the people from Ogden down to the restaurant, okay? I get that. I get that. But be a friend. The last one is this, is share. Share your story with others and celebrate what God is doing. 
Simple steps and being an owner. Meet, seek, serve, park far, sit near, give, be a friend, share. Simple needs. 